0: Welcome to the Feustal Fit Podcast with your host, Nicola Fustel. Straight talking, body positive coach and personal trainer, Nicola brings you your weekly guide to finding real health and fitness and to live the life you deserve. Hello and welcome to the of Fit Health and Fitness Podcast and radio show on 91.8 Haze FM. I'm Nicola Fustel, your host, and you can probably imagine that my special guest today, we're talking about money. And so I invited on Caroline Damanska. She's the founder of Money Mindset Coaching, helping people to create healthy bank balances whilst living the life that they love. Having created financial freedom for herself and with over 20 years experience in the finance industry helping professionals, entrepreneurs and families to get to where they want to be, she realised that the number one factor that creating wealth was having a supportive mindset around money. It was the key for her and her clients to feel confident, not only in their day-to-day dealings with their money, but also with creating more wealth, getting rid of those blocks, niggles, and money upsets that you may not even be aware of holding you back. Caroline helps you to level up your income, upgrade your life, and feel confident with money. Caroline's website is www.moneymindsetcoaching.co.uk and you can contact her on Caroline@moneymindsetcoaching.co.uk. All the links will be in the show notes as always and I please ask you that you could kindly, if you like the show obviously, to leave me a rating and review on iTunes and also consider becoming a Patreon because now my Patreon money is going to Mind, the charity for mental health disorders and I would really love to raise awareness and give them support for all of the work that they do. So I hope you enjoy the interview today so to start with I asked Caroline a little bit about her background and how she got into doing the money mindset coaching
1: so um, I um, have been in finance in one way shape or form since um, 1994 so when I first um, started in banking and I qualified as a financial advisor here in the UK and then uh, and that was back in 2000 and in 2008 I decided to move overseas I got the opportunity to go to um, to Abu Dhabi, so um, off I trotted um, and uh, enjoyed the sunshine and built a financial advisory business there from from scratch pretty much. So um, so that was a great um, uh, lesson in building a business from from something to nothing. And then in 2013 I came back here, and so I had to make a decision: or do I want to relicense as a financial advisor here, or do I want to do something different with everything? that I've been doing with people and money over, over time. And I always thought, well, what would happen if we could take um, sales out of the equation? Because often when you, um, as a financial advisor, ultimately you'd need to fulfil the needs of your clients through a product you know, ultimately um, but what if there was no obligation for me to sell anything and no obligation for your client to buy anything what would you start talking about and actually what happens is you talk about the journey that people are on where they are now where they want to be and what's stopping them getting there and that's more than the nuts and bolts of the finances and 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 what you're actually doing for money but it's also how you think feel and behave with money as well and how that's affecting where you want to go. So um, so I took a postgrad in uh, coaching and sold my business in Abu Dhabi and um, delved into helping people with their mindset um, around money and helping them along that journey. So that's how I got to where I am today.
0: So you're in the UK, are you?
1: I'm in the UK, yeah. Okay.
0: And so how did your, um, your, like your own experiences and your own journey with money um, help you with developing what you do now for other people?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I've been um, uh, into money since I was little and, you know, had my first PD bank and all of that kind of thing. So I've always been a, generally always been a good saver. Um, and, you know, like to put my money in the piggy bank, see it grow. I'm one of four children, so we all can be quite competitive on that hunt as well. Um, And I learned lots of different things about money over time. Um, And some of those were helpful to me and some of them not so helpful. So, um, for example, I have quite a high, um, you've got to work hard to get money um, belief. And I have to sometimes uh, work around that and think, well, okay, it's okay to receive money easily. You know, I don't have to work so hard all the time, um, and um things like that. That particular belief led me really through into my twenties to work extremely hard. Um, and so financially, it was good, but in terms of my own um, well-being, let's say, it wasn't quite, quite, <laughs> quite so good. You know, stressed out. Um, uh, do, you know, do, eating badly, kind of like not doing the right things, not a lot of self care going on, put it mm-hmm. that way. So um but a lot of hard work. Um and so there was a point really where especially when I was out in Abu Dhabi where I just got to the point where I was like something has to shift here and something has to change. And working on my mindset around money and what I believed about money and how that all and how money should come to me was really for me was the key to to changing my life to a different pace and taking different opportunities at that point um so so yes yeah, so that's um part of part, part of my journey certainly around um where my money mindset has changed
0: so what do you think about the influence that our parents have on us in terms of laying down those first beliefs and like mm. you're saying with yours that it is that you have to work so hard in order to be able to achieve money
1: yeah, yeah, I think um, what we learn, um, our story, if you were, um, it's massively important, actually. And we don't often take a time to perhaps step back and have a look at um, where where our beliefs have come from in any area of life, really. But um, when it comes to money, we um, are, to- are taught a lot of things from a young age. So my, my example is, for example, we... Um, I, to say, I was one of four children and we received pocket money every every week and my dad would get that um, down from a locked red box from above the cooker, sort of the cupboard above the cooker and so it was all high, you couldn't, couldn't reach it reach it, or anything like that and he'd get out this book and he'd note down kind of what we'd done that week and whether we deserved our pocket money or not. Um, and um, and, the, and we'd duly uh, be awarded <laughs> our money or, or not, you know, as the as case may be. And I think, and that all sounds like pretty typical, right? It's not, um, it's not a harsh story or anything like that. But the things that come through from that for me in the future when I've reflected back on my money story are things that I like to keep money out of reach. You know, I can have it there, but it's always there, sort of locked away, just out of reach, it's not really there for you to use, but it's somehow for you to look at and by having it there it gives perhaps a sense of safety or something like that. Um, that you are rewarded for your hard work by money as I've mentioned. Um and, and, and that money is somehow, somehow kind of deserving. So all those things are um, to a degree true or not true and may serve to empower you or disempower you. So any thoughts you have never live in your head, head rent-free, right? They're there and they're driving you in a particular way and it's deciding whether those thoughts are supportive or not supportive to you is the key. But in the first instance, it's raising your awareness. So just reflecting back on kind of the different things that you learn about money from your mum, your dad, brothers, sisters, from grandparents, from kind of the stories that were told in your family and that sort of stuff is really helpful in raising your awareness around what you think about money.
0: Yeah, because I think it must be really hard if you do have some issues with money to actually know where they came from because you might not necessarily know that what you were told as a child is affecting you now as an adult. Like yeah, for, exactly. Yeah. For example, okay. money is the root to all evil, and thinking that people who have money or are rich are um stuck up or there's something wrong with them.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big one, actually. And that's something really, if you're looking to create more wealth in your life, I'd say really have a think about what it is that you think about other people with money and some of the, one of the easiest ways of doing that is as you know you, you know you can look in any magazine watch <laughs> watch the TV and um, that kind of thing and see what kind of thoughts and feelings you have that come up when you come across somebody um, with with more money than you or more wealth than you um, so yeah those those things because if you think that rich people are, are stuck up for example just as an example there um, why would you ever want to be one Right. Why would you ever want to be rich if they think these bad things about them, uh, about that type of person? Um, So you have to start finding more positive examples, let's say, of of people with money so that you can decide. Because ultimately you can decide to be whatever kind of wealthy person you want to be. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be this kind of stereotypical greedy banker or anything like that you know it's you can be whatever wealthy person you want
0: to be do you think also your the words that you use can um help shape what happens in the future for example if you say um i'll never have money or if i ever get money excuse me if i ever get money you know so you're already setting yourself up for never having it rather than when i get
1: money i will do this or that Yes, um, yeah, two things that have come to mind um, when you said that is um, often um, we can be um, waiting for a point in time to happen before we do the next thing or do something something. So when I have uh, so much money in the bank, that's when I'll be happy or when I um, clear that particular credit card, that's when I can start like um, – doing something else i don't know so we're always waiting for the next thing to happen but i think there's value in always setting intention for all the things that you want to do and starting in some small way um to to move yourself towards that and language can be one of the ways of doing that just setting, it talking in more positive terms around money starts to set the intention for better and more positive things to happen around it Um, So a simple one can be about um, using the phrase, I can't afford it, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's negative, I can't afford it. Um, What you're doing, actually, any time you decide what you're doing with money is you're choosing where you spend your money. So I'm choosing to spend my money on... um, my water bill right i'm choosing to spend my money on my rent i'm choosing to spend my money on my mortgage you know it's um and i'm if there's something that you want you can say well actually i'm choosing to spend my money on my mortgage at the moment but in six months time i i will have uh, created enough money that i can then choose to spend my money on a holiday as well or whatever it is, it is that you're looking for right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um it's important to really think that you're already choosing to spend money in a particular way and my i appreciate sometimes those things don't feel like a choice right if you've got to have a roof over your head you've got to pay your bills but there's still choices in some way i mean you could just pack up pack it all up and say oh, i'm going to be a nomad and go around the world right so yeah i guess
0: all, it's like um smokers some people who don't having like lots of money and can't do certain yeah. things but yet if you're a smoker you've still chosen because you prioritise the smoking so therefore you've paid for the cigarettes yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah so you're always making choices right and some of them just don't seem, seem like choices but they in fact they all are we all have we we all choose how how we live our life and where where our money flows towards right
0: so as a coach, obviously for money, I imagine yeah. people would seek out the help of a coach because they don't have any money or they're having issues with money and they need some help with that. So how yeah. do you get them to pay if they're having issues with money?
1: Okay. So that, that's a good point. And I suppose I fit kind of somewhere in between a debt counsellor and a, a financial advisor. So um, if you are in the situation where um, you... Really couldn't afford my services, uh, or couldn't choose to pay for my services. Sorry, let's uh, <laughs> use the right terminology. Um, you couldn't choose to afford, uh, choose to pay for my services at that particular time. Then I have a lot of free resources on my website to help you. Um, uh, with your mindset changing around your mindset and so forth, as well as um, blog posts and things I have on there, are very kind of thought provoking. And there's also I put, uh, have on there links to like different um, debt counselling charities and so forth. So things like Step Change and stuff like that. So there's a lot of places that you can go to that will help you set up um, like budgets and um, if you're having trouble, say paying a mortgage or paying any debt. Uh, credit card debts and things like that then both that they can help you sort those out so that they're more manageable and all of that kind of thing so I'm not a debt counsellor um, but I can point you in the right direction and I'll always have a chat with anyone I offer a 30 minute uh, complimentary consultation so if I think um, in our discussion that it's not right for you to be um, spending money on myself I'll tell you straight away right and I'll put you in the in the right direction so there's, but there's a lot of things that you can still get from what I offer in terms of what I put out the information that I put out there and so forth um, and then so I um, my uh, typical client let's say is someone who um, um, has some some money maybe has a regular income, but just feels it's not really working for them correctly. So it always feels like they're wading through treacle. That um, as fast as the money comes in, it's going out again. That um, um, really for their point in life, they should be further forward. I should have a bit more money in the bank, and maybe I should have something behind me, but I don't. Um, or uh, and they just know that they are ready for that next level in both income and for their money to be working on a more uh, better for or feeling better about money essentially in their life. So um, so most sort of people, they wouldn't go see a financial advisor, they don't have necessarily the money to invest, but they have the income. It's just that once the money comes in, it doesn't seem to be stay, staying around for long or going somewhere else. So in that instance, they would be choosing to, let's say, spend their money with me rather than perhaps, I don't know, going out to dinner or uh, buying some new clothes or something like that, right? So bit, it, it's not a choice between paying for me or putting food on the table necessarily mm-hmm. at that point. So I try, and be, I try and help as many people as I can, but I can't do, can't do everything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the phrase, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. So, which I've heard a lot from entrepreneurs and I've read a few books, for example, like uh, Richard Branson, um, Alan Sugar, and a lot of people talk about starting from nothing and then getting to where they are, but also losing everything along the way. Mm. So it makes me feel like as an entrepreneur, I want to risk things, you know, take risks and I become a bit of a spontaneous person. What do you think about um, spontaneous buying and taking risks?
1: Okay. Um spontaneity I think what you is one um sort of driver around money actually. Um and I think it what you've got to look at anything that drives you um is the positives and the negatives of that, right? So on somebody who's quite spontaneous around money and um, generally um is a on a positive side, really um, can take opportunities. Right, you see opportunities, you tend to seize them. You're open to new ideas, um, but you tend to get things done quite quickly. Um, so that can all be, you know, really on the positive side. And you think, well, how can I develop that um, uh, positive side of my spontane- spontaneity and, uh, you know, even more so I can harness my strengths in that in that side. And some of the flip sides of, of spontaneity are. As you say, kind of like perhaps making rash decisions around spending or spending money we haven't got, particularly at that time and and so forth. And so, what I, one of the techniques that I work with people is putting, um, getting people to put um, their money into different jars or different envelopes, however you want to imagine it. Typically, we use e savings accounts, right? We don't typically use physical envelopes or jars or anything like that anymore. But, One of the things that I have in there um, for people is um, a couple of of different types of accounts. One we call like the fun account or the joy fund or whatever you want to call it. Um, And that money is to be spent on fun, spontaneity um, and all of those things. In fact, for some people who are not very good at being spontaneous, I say they have to spend all all of that money in the month. Right? It's like a prescription. You've got to spend all of this money on fun fun stuff over that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. it's really liberating for, for people actually it's something really worth trying um but if you're find that you're more already kind of quite a spontaneous person then the fun funds also useful um, and I'm not trying to quell your fun or, or spontaneity but it's having an a um, uh, couple of other jars that run alongside it so things like um, a financial freedom fund and um a a pot of money for spending on for, bigger ticket kind of things that you might want you might not know that you want them at the moment but if you can put a little bit of money aside each month then when you come to the point where you go right okay actually no there is something i really want i do really want that holiday or i do really want um i do need a new outfit for and so you can look in your savings to spend the pot and you could still be spontaneous about it but you um, but plan, planned about it as well, right? You've got money in different pots there for you to do different things with. So it's about, I suppose it's about um, uh, not just being spontaneous within a framework. <laughs> can can help by bringing up your planet, the planning side of what you do which might not necessarily be in nature, but having a simple way of doing that can, can help balance out the spontaneity without kind of quelling your fun or anything like that. So so that kind of makes sense. So yeah. It's, it's yeah. a bit complicated to, to explain in the abstract. but um, So for
0: somebody who's so spontaneous, it adds a little bit of planning to it. Yeah. And then it helps the other people to become a bit more spontaneous and be able to buy things they wouldn't normally.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: So let's exactly. talk a little bit about law of attraction so obviously um, I, I emailed you about this and it's something that I talk about a lot and I believe in like a lot about the words that you say and the energy of things um, mm. and think that if you are a positive person, positive things can happen. But at the yeah. same time, when it comes to money, you have to be a realist. And I have like a stepdad who is a very real person and who often tells me with my spontaneous buying, I'm very silly and I haven't thought it through and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on law of attraction and, and also versus being a realist
1: okay um so i think i do believe money is energy and that we are um it's money is really there just as a way of bringing our dreams into into reality so um without physical money it would be difficult to bring those things into into the real physical world right um now just this world that we happen to live in has money in it not to say that there's not other worlds out there that don't uh, that run on a completely different kind of system in this particular world we have we have money as a way of um exchanging that energy and exchanging those ideas and bringing those dreams as i say into reality and i think the thing to um be aware of is that um I believe that money is one of the ways that the, the universe can really bring what we need to change to our attention. Um, now, because it's such an, a big thing in life, right, it's such a constant thing that's, that's, that, um, that's involved in so many things that we do, it's one of the ways that we can, if something if we need to change our trajectory, if we need to change what we're doing, and money can be, or the way that money behaves with us can be an important um, way way that the universe is kind of flagging up. Hey, hey, you need to do something different here. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a lesson. Um, and so I think when things um, go either way, they go well or not so well in your money world, it's always important to think, well, what's the lesson? What am I trying to be shown here? What do I need to learn from this? And and where should I be moving with it? So I think that um, but when you talk there about being a realist, um, I think if we notice what money's doing, then it can, or how money's behaving and what lesson we need to learn from that, we can translate that into a very real action, right? Um, and very real things that happen. Um, I don't know if that answers your question because I have another thought on the realism.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I also think because I did like an NLP introduction course recently and they Mm. spoke about Disney and how Disney have like three rooms and one of them is the realist room, Mm. one of them is the creative, like the dreamer room and the other one is the critic. And I think it's quite Mm. interesting theory that they do that and it probably works with money as well in terms of having all three of those things Yeah,
1: yeah, yes, because yeah, yeah, definitely you've got to, you've got to, got to think about your where you're going. Yeah, what what things do what things in your life really niggle and irritate you at the moment, right? (laughs) Always start start there, start thinking. What things make me feel really quite um economy about my life, right? So it's important how something makes you feel. I think. and the things that really just um, don't make you feel good about life, they're the things that you, you need to need to change. Now, it's sometimes you might think, well, it's a massive list. I can't even know where to start. And blah, blah, blah. Well, then pick three things, three small things that you can change. It might not necessarily be that you need to spend money on on them. Um, I'll give you a small example, Um very... A uh, simple thing, um the key key being on my uh, car keys was from like a car from I had like years, ages ago, and wasn't relevant to the car that I've got now or anything like that. And every time i looked looked at it i just it, i don't know it didn't spark any joy in me or anything like that. It just irritated me <laughs> and um and I thought, well, this is ridiculous, you know how many times a day do you pick up your car keys? Um, I, could, I could be doing something so much more empowering with my car keys so I put on and uh, a lovely um, key ring that I've got in Thailand, so it reminds me of lovely holidays um, my sister had given me something really lovely and I had a picture of my baby as well, so all oh, beautiful things now on my keys now that's something when you just kind of take a, t- take a moment, kind of audit your life a bit and see what things are irritating me, what things are going, what things make me economy and what things make me feel first class there's always small things that you can upgrade just to bring that like joy and abundance and, and happiness just that little bit notch forward all the time um so um so yes, yeah, so that's something i'd really recommend looking at sorry i've gone off track and kind of forgot what question you asked me now
0: <laughs> so we're always talking about the, the realist creative and the critic
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, um, so my point being is that we always need to be thinking what, what, what would I actually, what would make me feel more first class about my life? And if there's things that already make you feel first class about your life, and why first class, by the way, I don't mean necessarily Rolls Royces and champagne and all that kind of stuff. I mean, although that's nice, right? Whatever means, um, first class to you and what makes you feel first class is what's important and that will vary from person to person to person. So um, start thinking about what does make me feel first class in my life and start setting the intention that those things will come into into your life. So that's the dream part, right? And the realism part is, um, I would say, is acknowledging that we don't always go from zero to 10 straight away right but actually there's a lot of steps in between that uh in between that zero to 10 so sometimes we have to put it right back and think well what's the very next small action that i could do and um, that would put me on that path to bring me that just a little bit closer to having a million pounds in bank or whatever it is that is your upgraded view right so what's that one one little thing that I could do that would bring me that little bit closer to that vision so for me that's kind of the realism kind of action taking part of it and I suppose the critic I don't know it's uh, critic makes me think well have I looked at all my options have I um have I have I really expanded my mind to all the possibilities that could be could be here to generate what it is that I'm looking for. So, for example, if you're looking to generate more income, a really useful exercise is to write down all the different ways you could think to generate more income, and even things that you might think, Oh, I'm not sure if I'd really want to do that. I don't know, like dog walking or something like that, or babysitting. You think, Oh, I wouldn't really want to do that, but actually, there are all possibilities and all things you could do, like renting out your room or uh, this, that, and the other write down everything without censorship and then that opens your mind to to be to more possibilities coming through to you so i I have done an
0: exercise like that before it was really useful actually and Mm. you think of it in terms of like an emergency say your house was on fire or something and you wanted to save your children in the house like Mm. just play with the idea what would you do if there was 50 things you had to write down of how to make money right now and making that money would save your kids
1: yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, that was notion mind. that's for sure, yeah, and that, that's where you, you, by putting that sort of caveat in there about uh, if you needed to do it to save the kids, then it really, you, one of, your censorship falls down, doesn't it, in terms of what your, um, your barriers fall down, in terms of what you might allow yourself to do. <laughs> well,
0: that's another so idea, then, yeah. really, where you become creative and you think of things that you wouldn't normally think that yeah. aren't in reality.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, so um, so yeah, it's really important to set the intention um, uh, around things and that's what I was talking about earlier around um, when I was talking about the different jars of money mm-hmm. to set up, a lot of times people as I say, wait until, it, let's say for example you've got some debt and um, it is always a good idea if you've got high levels of interest on that to to clear that down, obviously, as, as, as you can, but sometimes um, if we then just wait and wait and wait until that, that the point of that happening before we start, start even putting a small amount of money towards anything else, i.e., oh, well, I can't have any fun, or I can't spend anything on, on, on bigger items, or I can't save for my financial freedom. Um, I can't do any of those things, for example, until my debt's paid off. We get completely disillusioned and we get I mean, to having to just use our willpower so much to push towards that, that one thing that it, it kind of overwhelms us, I think, over time. So I think it's always important to open the door, set the path available, if you were, chink, chink, chink open that door, let the light starting to come in. On those particular other areas as well. So even if you could only afford to put a pound in your fun fund a month, um, for whatever reason, and then you committed to perhaps doubling that every month, it would lead you to be to, to open the door to that possibility that it's that it's still there for you. It's still possible for you to have fun and clear your debt. It's still possible for you to have um, to to be saving towards bigger ticket items that you might want in your life. And clear your debt. Do you see what I'm saying? So it doesn't yeah. have to, how can I do both rather than either or I think it's
0: what I'm trying to say. It's interesting that you say that because I decided to clear one of my debts this year and it's been kind of ongoing because I haven't been focused on it and I decided right, yeah. well, I'm gonna really focus on that because I know that whenever I focus on anything else, I manage to attract it in my life. So I thought I just haven't really focused on the money. So that's what I'm going to do now. Hence the reason you're on this podcast. <laughs> um, but it kind of does feel like that. It reminds me of my dieting days where like on a diet, you're so focused. That's what you're doing. You're not living your life. You're not able to have social occasions. And it seems yeah. like putting all the focus into the debt, you're doing exactly the same thing. It feels like a debt
1: diet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nicole. I totally agree with that. And, I, and I, I often use that that kind of analogy that, you know, we can be on a, a diet or a budget or have you, you know, for a certain length of time before it's just, it, it it's not, it's too difficult to do in real life because there's too many other things that happen. So I think it's better just to acknowledge that there's other things that we still want to do whilst um, managing, managing, uh, you know, debt or something that we're saving towards, you know, um, and keep the door open, keep the intention on those other things. So, um, it might be that you choose. I think the important thing is to to set, build the sense of choice around it. So it's um, if you choose to um, put um, a smaller. I, I would never say put don't put anything. You've got to put something. For example, in the fun fund fund, um, if you choose to put a smaller amount in there because you want to accelerate um, the speed at which you're paying off your debt. That's fine. You've chosen to live in that particular gear or or mode of spending um, expenditure for a particular period of time to achieve an aim. Um, and so one of the ways you can clear debt quicker is to simplify your life and have less expenditure in different areas. Yeah, but So that's one way of looking at it um, the, uh, and, and sensing that is a choice that you're making and that you feel empowered around that. Mm-hmm. The other way to look at it, um, if you want to accelerate clearing off your debt, is to then, as a double whammy, become creative about your income streams and how you're going to um, make more money. Money to clear it off quicker as well. So you can poke it, poke debt from two angles in terms yeah. of if you want to choose to simplify your life a little more, um, and, and 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 then on the other side, start being creative about um, your income streams as well. Mm.
0: So can you tell us why is there so much emotion around money and why do we stress over
1: it so much? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it really taps into our fundamental um, uh, safety, uh, safety, security um, requirements, right? So if you think about us as human beings, we need food, we need shelter. Um, and as a fundamental kind of basis right in order to to live um and i think that's what it taps into because it's so closely entwined if we don't have any money then we could potentially have nowhere to live and um no nothing to eat that kind of thing right so i think um it taps right into that very basic need and then when we focus on um oftentimes then that leads us down to focusing on the scarcity of money so that that there's not enough, that it's going to disappear if I have it, Um, you know, what if I never get any more, Um, that kind of thing. (laughs) So we we kind of obsess down that line rather than the more um, abundant line. Now, money itself, in a way, doesn't provide that sense of safety and security. You could have, for some people, they could have millions in the bank and they still feel that, they still won't feel that um, security, yeah? Mm-hmm. They still will think, oh, well, that what if that money goes tomorrow or, um, or I better not spend too much of it because... Um, you know, I might not be able to get any more. Um, so those things persist, um, even if we tend to have money. And I, I suppose it's a case in point. I think we've all seen probably about lottery winners who have all that money and then somehow it's gone, what, in seven or eight years or something, we, you know, it's disappeared somehow. And um, the reason being is that they kind of convinced, they've convinced themselves really that um, they're not good custodians of money, they can't look after money, they're not going to be responsible with it. So actually they've brought them back down, themselves back down into their comfort zone of whatever level of income, income and money they were used to having before. And it was kind of easier to stay at that level. Sounds weird, but it's something that we do do. We, we try and stay within our kind of what we know and how it works and, and the comfort level around that. Why the push- is there
0: a comfort level around money?
1: I think it's just what we're used. To. We're used to how it works at a particular level. So I don't know if you earn thirty grand a year, and so do all your friends, and um, you live in a particular start lifestyle around that, there's a comfort in knowing kind of how that all works at that level, right? And if you had more money maybe things would change yeah so what's the what's i would say what's the dark side of having more money you you say oh, sure there's no dark side we just have some more money <laughs> um but there is there's always for, for you inside in terms of your feeling there will be a flip side to having more money that isn't quite as rosy so the negative consequences of having more so it could be um that you know oh if i had more money then my My family would hate me. Or if I had more money, um, my um, I couldn't be friends with the same people. If I had more money, I might have to move move house to an area where it's full of, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, full of snobby rich people or something like that. Or if I had more money, then um, I I, I'd have to work so hard I'd never see my children, and and so on and so on and so on. Right. So all these things that you perhaps believe. That will happen if you push your financial thermometer upwards um, to a higher level, they, they will be the things that you will subtly sabotage yourself to ensure they don't happen, right? So you'll sabotage yourself somehow, way or another, to keep your income down to a level that you're used to and you know what happens at that level if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, it's kind of raising the awareness of what you think might be the negative consequences of having more wealth could be and once you think about it there, there probably are awesome
0: because <laughs> talking of lottery winners I've heard that there are some lottery winners that actually just keep the money in the bank and don't ever spend mm-hmm. it
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, look at um, I was about Susan Boyle. I mean, she's not a lottery winner, is she? But she, you know, obviously got loads of money now from being an international singer. And yet she still lives in the same house in Scotland, little sort of two-bedroom house. Um, she hasn't gone and bought herself, like, you know, anything bigger or, or, or well, It's just what she knows, right? And she doesn't see the need to, to change it. And there's nothing to say just because you have money you should buy a big house or anything like that. But I think it's more reflective of her her mindset as well uh, as to why that's happening um, for her. She wants you know to keep that sort of comfort of what what she knows around her. Yeah. So um, so yeah, you have to find um, find inside what provides you that level of um, security in your life. You know, your own personal kind of strengths and resourcefulness. So, is that beeping my computer or your computer? Sorry?
0: Is that beeping my computer or your computer? It
1: just beeped, then, sorry, yes, and it came through on the email and it beeped. I just wasn't sure sure
0: if I needed to turn something off. No, 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 no. I don't know why that's beeping. Yeah, I just
1: have to make it stop. I'll see how I'm not.
0: So, many people think that money makes us happy. Mm. Does money make us happy?
1: No. (laughs) it it gives you more choices, right? I think it gives you more choices, but I don't know if it makes you more happy. If you were unhappy without money, you will probably be unhappy with money, um, potentially, um, because um, it's not the money that's making you happy, it's um, how you are inside, I think, um, and what you... Then get that money to to do, I suppose more so. Um, But yes, I think unless you sort of address why you're unhappy in the first place, I don't think just having money will make you happy. Give you a few more choices, maybe. But (laughs) I don't think that's. It's nice to think, isn't it? If we won won the lottery, we'd spring spring out of bed the next day. But and maybe there would be things that you that money would enable you to do that would bring more joy into your line um, and so forth. But I think like any, let's say like some people say to me, well, if I won the lottery, I would set up a charitable foundation or something like that, or I'd set up some, something along those lines. But actually you could bring, you could be doing, okay, you might not be able to start, but you could bring down a micro version of that, right? Or some sort of element of that into your life right now. It's just that when you're, if you had more money you might be able to do it on a grander scale or a bigger thing right so it's I think it's about thinking what brings you joy in your life now whether you've got millions in the bank or a small amount of money and how how you can bring elements of that into your life already um when it comes to happiness anyway
0: and in your newsletter you say let's create your money blueprint Mm. what
1: is that so um, that's a course that I have coming coming up. Um, um, so an online course, although actually this is my first uh, um, way of doing that. I've always worked one on one with clients, but I do think there's a, um, a gap to help people uh, on on a sort of more self-study basis. Um, at, a, at a different point, price point, so a bit more accessible than the one-to-one um, coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and also allows people to work through at their own pace, always have the materials to refer back to and things like that. So um, creating your own money blueprint is about um, upgrading your life, um, up-leveling your income and being money confident. And the way that we will do that is by create, creating a blueprint which... Um, allows you to understand, firstly, to understand where you are with your money now in a practical sense, um, understand where you are, raise awareness around your mindset, and then put in a new blueprint, so new files in your computer, if you were, um, in your, the mind of your uh, mind of your computer to allow you to uh, move forward with upgrading your life and up your income. So the blueprints, they're the roadmap, if you were, uh, to uh, enable you to do that. Um,
0: and do you have any, like, tips for changing your money story?
1: Changing your money story. The first thing I would do is um, get yourself a cup of tea, chocolate biscuit, <laughs> <laughs> sit down with a, with a a notebook, a lovely notebook, and write down all the memories that you can think of around money. Kind of, it's, sometimes it's easier just to imagine yourself... Um, perhaps in the house that you grew up in, or a particular point in time, whatever springs to mind. being in you know age five, age eight, something like that. I don't know, whatever springs to mind, and then just start from there and move move sort of around chronologically, and you'll be surprised what comes up. Um, write down those memories, and then as you go after you've done that, have a look through and see is there any that you feel that you no longer want to hold on to anymore, because in order to create new, just new, um, new money memories and new ways of thinking about money and thinking about anything really, we got new beliefs. Yeah, beliefs. Yeah. Sometimes we have to make room to let go of, uh, let go of, see, some of the uh, ones, the things that we've learned in the past to to make room for the new ones to come in um and one of the ways of letting go of those can be to look through those memories and and look at them and just say um, if you feel happy to you can cross them through um and just say um i forgive you um and i love you when you as you do it i forgive you and i love you and just putting that sort of graciousness around that memory um, loving everybody who's involved in that memory and also just forgiving anybody you and anybody else who's involved in that memory and just letting it go by crossing it out can really just help you release that memory out and allow you a bit more room for new stuff to come in so that's one one thing that you can do um, and just a simple act of, of, of even just writing the memories down even if you don't feel able to to move on from any of them can really raise your awareness around patterns. You might start to see some patterns there um, that emerge. You might start to see some particular um, ways of you think, oh, okay, I can see what, how that connects now to what I'm doing now in life. Hmm. Does that serve me, not serve me? Is that something I want to hold on to? So I think raising your awareness is like really, really important in the first instance.
0: Mm -hmm. and obviously changing your language as well
1: yeah money yeah absolutely absolutely um so that's yes just a really good thing to watch um how you're talking about money once you start thinking about it you'll become quite quite aware if you if you give yourself kind of i don't know just the challenge of spending a day um of um, watching your language around money you might be surprised what you come up with watching your language and what how you um, react around money situations because in one one day you probably do come across quite a lot of monetary situations depending on like if you're out and about and things like that. But you know, even standing in the supermarket queue and looking at the other person shopping, thinking, "Well, oh, I wonder why they want to buy that," you know, or <laughs> "Oh, well, that's very," you know, you might think, well, that's very decadent," and that kind of thing. I don't know. Just watch what you're um, watch what you're thinking and watch what happens.
0: So are there any like positive affirmations we should say instead of I can't afford it? Obviously you mentioned earlier about I'm choosing to spend money on this instead of that. But are yeah, there any definitely. other like words we should use that might be more positive?
1: Yeah, I think um I I always like to think about um receiving and being open to receiving, so I'm I'm ready and open to receiving money in any way, way, shape or form that wishes to come to me. Um, is a quite a nice. I'm nice... adding that one to my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So and also yeah, and I think yeah. So that that receiving one is quite a nice one. And I, whenever I do that, because I just did it when I was speaking speaking there, even though you can't see me, right? Um, <laughs> I put my arms out wide, and so I think that really helps when you do that particular affirmation. I'm ready and open to receiving, so I've got my arms wide open right now. Um can into my life or money into my life in, every, in whichever way it wishes to come to me. So, um, And that can be quite a nice way of doing it. And if you quite like visualisation, doing it with your arms or um, visualising a lovely um, light coming towards you as, as you being a beacon um two ways you can do it either you being a beacon of putting light out there so people can find you in order to say work with you um, or uh, take your services and that kind of thing um or, or as a beacon of light so the money can flow toward you um so they, those can be quite nice ways of just sitting there and visualizing um money the money flow coming in and around because you know i People like yourself who are in service to others. You know, we're all we're fantastic custodians of money. We are the people where money should be flowing through, so we can attract money and then we can flow that through to other people through through the good work we do.
0: So, on that note, though, is there um, do you have any advice for setting your prices and also knowing your value?
1: Okay, um, setting prices. Um, remember that um, I think a lot of times people just look around and see what their competitors are doing and kind of then go with something around that or maybe a bit cheaper or, or that kind of thing. But then when you're doing that, you are um, really um, setting your price based on somebody else's self-worth, right? <laughs> what they think yeah. they're worth. And really, you've just got to decide for yourself what, what is uh, your own kind of price that resonates well with you and um, one of the ways of doing that can just be simply to, and it's quite handy if you do this with somebody else, um, it kind of seems to work a little bit easier, but you can do it for yourself as well. You can just say different price points out loud. Um, so, um, you know, if you charge um, you know, £50 a session, £100, 75 125 I don't know, what whatever it is that you're looking to price up, Say the different things, and there'll be there'll be a price that where you go up to it, and you think, ooh, no, that that just doesn't feel quite right. And there'll be also be a price on the lower end where you think that doesn't feel quite right either. And there'll be something you'll be able to find somewhere in the middle. So go with your intuition. I think a lot of the time, time there. Um, and um, about stepping into value, I think it's important to hold hold with your price as well. So when you've decided what you're pricing, I think it's – and if you feel comfortable with that, it, I always recommend practising that in front of the mirror or something like that. Hi, I'm Caroline and I charge £150 a session. You know, i say to myself in the mirror – and get it so it rolls off the tongue really easy so that if somebody asks you if you're at a networking event or something like that, what you charge, you're not fumbling around and you're not ending up saying, oh yeah, but then for uh, yeah, friends or because we're at this networking event, yeah, I'll do it for like 50% off or things like that. And that immediately um, cheapens out what you do, I think, once you start throwing in discounts and different things like that, that... Um, there. If you want to add it, anything because... and, and add a bit of extra value that you know to someone, something extra you could do for them without over overdoing it, um, so that you, But you know, discounting I think um, somehow doesn't for me doesn't sit sit very sit very. Me, I like, it's, just I price. Feel
0: like you're um, you enter a, into a bargaining situation then. And then you're not honouring your own value. Because if somebody went into the shops, they wouldn't start bargaining with the person behind the oh. counter about what they're going to pay.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And yet somehow with um, uh, services and things like that, people somehow think that, or small businesses, self-employed people, somehow think that, um, that they can ask for you to do it for less. Well, um <laughs> I think you've just got to be hard and you've got to be firm with your pricing and know know your value there and they're always and also that's having a trust that there's always more clients and there's always clients who want to work with you at that particular price point right um, so and if you like like you asked me right right in the beginning what, what, what do people do who literally can't you can't choose to spend money on, on your services, Caroline. And I said, well, you know, I've got my blog and I've got you know free resources on there, and I've got, and I'll always have a conversation with somebody and point them in the right direction, that kind of thing. So you always can, whatever price point you're at, you can still be of service to different people just in different ways. So, because
0: at the same time, isn't it true that if you undercharge people, undervalue? Yeah, it's like I if think. you buy a handbag that was really cheap, you just chuck it around. Whereas if you spend a lot of money on it, you're going to look after it and you know, put it in a nice place and
1: <laughs> keep it clean. Absolutely, they say often like um, that. Um, uh, you know, people who let's say take a course that was for free, they really don't even us ourselves, we don't um, give it the. Um, due care and attention it deserves right and we don't we're not as focused on it but if we paid for something then we're more likely to complete it and actually do it we put a bit of skin in the game i suppose um and and yeah the same goes yeah if you start um discounting or undercharging people will think oh that's a bit cheap or i don't know if i want to do it (laughs) even um and yeah, we're we funny. We're a funny old breed, you know. If it if it if it becomes too, if the price isn't congruent with what we thought we wanted to pay, then we might not want. We might not think that person is the sort of person that we is the same as us or what we want want to do. Um, so, it's knowing your ideal client, knowing and um, the sort of person who resonates with you, and um and sort of the pricing point that works for both you and and them. Um, I think um, brings it all all together. Um and there will always be people who want to have the premium option as well. So it's quite useful to price your products, um, products or services to have a standard option and a premium option as well. Um because there will always be people who want to go for that premium option. Mm-hmm. Um and interesting, was something I was reading the other day about um having two pricing um things. Let's so say like you've got a course or a package of sessions or something like that, that somebody can work with you, um, if, if somebody's presented with two things to look at, it puts them in the mindset of deciding which one they want, rather than if you just have one thing to offer, it's deciding shall I buy or not buy at all and just walk away, right? If you have yeah, two things, psychologically, we, we start going into the mindset, well, which one's best for me? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's a subtle piece of psychology that I hadn't really thought of around um, pricing, yeah. but quite, a, quite an interesting one. Okay.
0: Well, you've definitely given us some great advice and I've made quite a few notes. I'm going to act on myself, so thank you. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that perhaps you might want to add in?
1: Um... <sighs> Or any other yeah. like, frequently asked yeah. questions that you might get? I think um, just a couple of other tips. I suppose is always um, when you're in a situation and you're not quite sure where to go with it, it's always think what would what would the more abundant you do in that situation. So try and think from that kind of what the person, the, the abundant me, the person who can see the opportunity, um, who. Um, who is open to receiving? What What would they do in that that instance? And that can sometimes um, get you out of a, a funk. Um, as I say, um, just noticing what money is doing in our lives and starting to raise your awareness around that. Um, ask yourself, what What's the lesson that I'm being showed, shown here? And um, what is it that I need to learn? Um, remember, it's all about small upgrades. It's about small, little incremental movements towards um, towards the ult- your ultimate goal, which will always shift around anyway. But it's a bit like um, you know, like a spaceship, um, and then that's heading off to to, to wherever to the moon. Or, um, but if they change the trajectory even a little bit, even the tiniest bit, yeah, you know, where its final destination ends up can be completely different. And so that's what's always to remember, those little small things that you do now could really change the trajectory of where you're going and what, what um, you're doing with your wealth. So, so yeah, So remember, yeah, the it's, it's small things count. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. So um, if anyone wants any more information or wants to follow you on
1: social media,
0: would you mind leaving your social media accounts? Okay, so
1: um, my website's um, moneymindsetcoaching.co.uk uh, um, and there's a lot of free resources in there as I mentioned um, as well as the ability at the moment still to register your interest in my pilot course um, and that's going to be a great way to access me at a lower or lower price point with lots of added um, involvement from me because I'm looking for lots of feedback on how that particular course runs this time around. Um, then you can also find me on Facebook at Money Mindset Coaching, um, Twitter Money is Money Mind Coach, and I haven't gone into the world of Instagram or things like that at the moment. So that's my next thing to think about. Okay, so thank that's you. me. On, thank
0: on so um, that's been really, really great. Um, I really appreciate your time. So thank you so
1: much. Yeah, thank you, Nicola. Thank you for uh, thank you for your time as well. It's been. I really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you.
0: If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave Nicola a review on iTunes. You can also check out the show notes and get other free content on her website, fuistillfit.co.uk. If you'd like to contact Nicola, email nicola at fuistillfit.co.uk.